power on. And now for another fast-breaking news story, we go to our roving reporter. The podcast, Sovereign Tech. Its host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. The tech giants try to stop Sovereign Tech. They can't. What you've got is the absolute best in professional podcasting between your ears right now. It is the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Sabzu, the rated R radio star, an absolute rock star in this podcasting game, baby. And we are going to get into a subject that uh, actually has been covered recently on Sovereign Tech. Uh, Well, should I say recently is in the past six months or so. But we're going to do a Sovereign Tech supplemental here because we need to put this, at least for the time being, to bed. Uh, This is a subject that, particularly in the Sovereign Tech Telegram group, uh, I feel like has had a lot of back and forth. But really in the uh, tech space, in the security community as well, uh, there has been a lot of back and forth around this also. Now, I'm actually going to title this The Ultimate Browser. However... There really isn't one answer uh, to this. Now, if you remember back in January of 2021, um, I did another Sovereign Tech supplemental where we basically went over, you know, not just browsers. I mean, we talked about everything. We covered all the different technologies to use. Basically, we were wrapping up a lot of things that we have talked about on Sovereign Tech over its near decade history. But the browser game, I I want, and and I've hinted at this, I think on other actual Sovereign Tech supplementals as recently, the browser game is something uh, we really want to have somewhat of a definitive answer on, but I'm going to base the answer on what we would call threat levels. Now, you can actually find a list of these threat levels if you go to SovereignTech.com. I laid them out there. Um. But before I get into those threat levels and then we start breaking down the browsers, I want to welcome with a supplemental episode. I usually try to keep them very evergreen, uh, but because February was such an insane month, um, I want to get this in here before we get into uh, sovereign tech prime episodes, as we uh, used to call them, where they have their specific numbering and so on. We have episode 399 and 400 coming out soon. I want to welcome the thousands and thousands more. I always say welcome the thousands and thousands. Sovereign Tech has such an incredible listenership, uh, especially for a tech show. But I want to welcome the extra thousands and thousands that have uh, have, that have come on board and that I've gotten a lot of emails from. Uh, It's an honor to have you here. And of course, I was featured I might talk about this more in another episode, but I was uh, I, I was featured and Sovereign Tech was featured um, in The Guardian, uh, in a story in The Guardian about getting off of social media. I don't want to get lost in a conversation around social media here. I'm, I'm going to save that for another episode, but I just want to welcome you. Uh, if, if this is your first Sovereign Tech supplemental that you're experiencing for the first time or your first Sovereign Tech episode, uh, that story in particular about social media has uh, really been wildfire, even for the guardian. Uh, and I'm honored to have anyone here that's listening. So if you want to go to sovereign though, to look up these threat levels, like I said, what web browser should you be using? And maybe if you're a new listener, uh, you know, you're not sure where, where to stand on this or where to get started or what to use. Well, we're going to get into that. And again, we're going to break them down somewhat by threat level. There really is going to be a, there will be somewhat of an ultimate answer. And I think people who are listeners know, uh, and also if you're in the telegram group, which if you want to join that incredibly active, um, I haven't been able because my February has been so insane with clients. I have not been able to be active in there, but that doesn't stop all the other listeners from jumping in and, and, you know, using it and coming up with great stuff and sharing brilliant stories and insights and everything. It's fucking beautiful. Uh, you know, if you're in there, you know, probably what I'm going to say, but we'll get into it. So let's talk about these threat levels. Threat level one. 
This is protection from malicious individuals and groups. You know, these are basically your crackers or what most people call hackers, but really hackers are heroes in sovereign textbook. Uh, but bad actors, people who basically are trying to, you know, sniff information uh, away from you at the local coffee shop. That's threat level one, just your everyday person who, you know, your everyday bad actor. Threat level two is the more business level, enterprise space, corporate espionage, industrial espionage, uh, that level. Okay. Threat level two, granted, melds somewhat into threat level three, depending upon the size of the company that's engaging in this. And if you don't realize that, you know, companies really do go after each other. And I mean like the big, you know, from the tech giants, just list them off. Uh, who boy, <laughs> we have a lot of conversations that I guess we're going to have to get into in sovereign tech in the near future. Uh, you know, to, to get everybody up to snuff on that, but bottom line being that's threat level two threat level three is when we get into nation state, uh, threats and actors. Now, again, when you, you talk about Google or Microsoft, they basically, you know, at, at a, uh, a cyber level, right <laughs> at, at a tech level, very much are at parity with most countries on the planet. Uh, so to some degree, threat level two and threat level three can kind of meld into each other. Uh, threat level four is a whole other ball game that has to basically do with intergalactic civilizations. And we're not going to talk about any web browser that, uh, <laughs> that would have to deal with that. Even though we will somewhat talk about IPFS, the interplanetary file system, which I guess kind of gets into threat level four a little bit just by proxy, but regardless, we're going to talk about threat level one and threat level two. Threat level three, as I've often said, if you are targeted by a nation state, as in they are looking for you individually, you, they've got your number. Uh, there's not a whole hell of a lot you can do at that stage. Okay. If you are being directly targeted. So we'll kind of touch on threat level three, but when you get to threat level three, there's no browser basically that's going to save you here, but threat level one and threat level two. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things that you could certainly with threat level two, uh, that you could take advantage of that exist and that you can use right now. We are not going to, we might speculate a little bit, but I am not going to recommend something that is coming in the future. I will not waste your time with that. Okay. This is about actionable items, things that you can, you know, you're going to walk away with a, with a list of what you can do and what you can use, how to go about it. That's the importance of this episode. So let's get into it. Uh, there has been just in 2021 and we're now in March of 2021, there has been a deluge of exploits and really feature updates, uh, to many web browsers. Uh, basically any major web browser you can think of has probably had some kind of, I want to call it game changing, but some kind of major shift that has occurred, uh, whether it's, you know, talking about Credge becoming more of a thing uh, recently, as well as its addition of vertical tabs, which holy fuck, <laughs> vertical tabs. I mean, they're not new. And if you used uh, Vivaldi or there's, you know, you can do it in Firefox as well. There are extensions that allow for it, but man, vertical tabs are such a wonderful thing, but that does not a secure web browser make. So we move on, but let's. Yeah, again, let's just break into it and, and, and talk about these. But there have been a lot of feature updates. Now, the web browser that I am going to recommend more or less across the board, there will be caveats, okay? And there will be, when we get more into threat level two, this may not so much be the case. But the primary web browser I'm going to recommend has had many features added and also <laughs> exploits that are nay inexcusable or just unbelievable at the very least, um, that we will talk about. They've been fixed, but we will talk about it. But before I say what that is, I mean, let's open this up with what makes a great web browser. What is the most important feature of a modern web browser? Well, I'll, you may not consider this a feature, but I want you to consider it. So from now on, and I think the most important feature, uh, for a web browser is to be open source. Uh, this is absolutely key when so many things, I mean, when, when you have software and companies 
you know, going in, in just having these crazy mindset shifts uh, and mission shifts, looking at you, Mozilla. It's, it's just, it's outrageous. You, you have to have a web browser where you can count on its performance, its build that it has somewhat, you know, where at least it can have a development team or a development team that can fork and take over as it goes forward. Um, I know there have been some uh, development teams or individuals, and I don't say that with disrespect, uh, that have really tried to get on top of, you know, forking Firefox um, as late since Mozilla, you know, has, has said some some troubling things. Uh, and of course, they had a troubling 2020, which I have already covered and warned about uh, on Sovereign Tech. But the web browser has to be open source. Just has to be. And it, and it should be, the development team should be regularly contributing to the open source community overall. Um, there are issues with, you know, I mean, speaking of Firefox, Firefox, I do not consider to be 100% open source any longer. Now there's elements like Pocket, some others that, you know, that aren't open source and you can turn those off, certainly. And fortunately, again, because it, because the bulk of Firefox is basically open source. People, like I said, are forking away from it. That's great. But Firefox really appears to be looking at, okay, how do we make, you know, some real money uh, with this web browser? And I think that is leading to some very poor decisions. Now, part of the argument for why people want to continue to use Firefox is because they don't want a monoculture of uh, web rendering engines. You know, basically they don't want everything turning to, you know, to Chromium slash blink. And I applaud that. And I agree with that, uh, completely. However, okay. And I am fully supportive of more web browsers taking advantage, um, of the quantum engine, which Firefox uses, and which I thought was brilliant work when they started doing it in 2016. It's interesting. There was a, there was a real shift in 2016. We'll we'll talk more about that uh, in web browsing technologies. Uh, People just started paying attention. Maybe it was because those that were, you know, companies that were still thinking, uh, you know, primarily about desktop finally said, you know what? No, mobile is here to stay and it's what's growing. It's what's happening. We got to pay attention to mobile. And that's when suddenly, you know, all kinds of companies uh, started changing their efforts and actually began looking at, okay, how can we make a web browser run lighter, you know, less resource intensive uh, and so on. But it's interesting that Mozilla, uh, Opera, and the company I'm about to talk about, you know, all basically made major moves uh, around the time of 2016 to try and shake things up in the browser space. It was ripe for it. And well, here we go. Why don't we just talk about it again? I'm not recommending Firefox. I understand. Let me make it clear again. I understand not wanting a monoculture, okay, uh, of web rendering engines. It's time for another company to step up. However, I don't know how plausible that is. Because if Microsoft won't even stick to their guns on, you know, with with the edge rendering engine, which was a fine engine, if they won't stick to their guns, I mean, I just, I, I have a very hard time imagining who can come in and develop like a wholly new web browser from the ground up, different rendering engine, the whole thing and keep on top of security issues, which is really key. And where, you know, you're, you're one person, no offense to them, but where your one person development teams can't live up to, you, you know, can't, can't handle the workload and Hey, I get it. Okay. I'm a developer. I know all that goes. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard to imagine anybody coming up. Now, a lot of other companies besides Google using Chromium, you know, a lot of them are doing that because they get to take advantage of a, really a very large developer base that is hammering away at the open source code of Chromium. Now, there are issues already with Chromium, and, and we've talked about this, where, you know, Google was basically trickling down uh, Chrome only, not Chromium, Chrome only features that I consider to be privacy encroaching. And we've heard stories about that even in 2021, though we reported on them long before. There is that issue 
Um, but I do think that as more companies are, you know, getting a serious market share uh, or more browser developers are getting a serious market share against Chrome, and they are, I think that those, you know, all that stuff trickling down and, and seeping through, you know, these, these issues that, that come from, you know, again, privacy encroaching uh, aspects of Chrome, um, I think that's going to become less. Basically, I think developers are going to catch this shit as, as, you know, as it goes forward. So I will say this, I think, you know, before, before we get into, into the ultimate browser, <laughs> and again, it's, that's not a hundred percent statement. That's not, you know, look, just, just no browser is perfect. No browser, not even the Tor browser. None of them are perfect. You understand? Okay. We got that. It is still completely valid. If you are an Apple user, Okay to use Safari that actually has an entirely different web rendering engine. And if one is arguing for, you know, well, I don't want a monoculture fucking use Safari. Great. Um, if you are a windows 10 user and you, you know, installing the least amount of software possible, absolutely go ahead and, you know, use credge. Um, you're going to love those vertical tabs. Let me tell you. <laughs> So, but, you know, go ahead and, and just on, on the aspect of what we call on sovereign tech, what we call software minimalism. Okay. Where you're using the least amount of software and also it's account minimalism in that you're, you're making the, you know, a less amount of accounts because you're just using your Microsoft account, right? Uh, these are advantageous things to do and give, create less attack vectors against you. Granted, Microsoft's going to own your ass. Okay. But it is less attack vectors from much of threat level two, as well as threat level one. Okay. And the security on edge is pretty damn good. Uh, I liked it a little more when it was, you know, using the, the, the edge engine, it was kind of, it's more of its own code base and you weren't worrying so much about Chromium, but regardless, it still does the job. So there's, there's validity in that if that's what you're doing. Okay. Um, of course on sovereign tech, we recommend everybody jump onto Linux, you know, or BSD, get there, get there as fast as you can, you know, and if you got to learn some things, go ahead and learn them. But when you get there, when you do get to Linux, um, or, you know, if you're still using windows and Hey, I get it. When you got to get shit done, sometimes there's just that windows software that's been around forever. That's tried and true. And you make it happen. I do the same myself. I have a, you know, completely separate laptop that all it is, it's a dumb laptop that just has windows 10 on it. And I don't mean dumb as in, it's like a shitty laptop. I just mean dumb as in it has no account information, nothing like that. It just runs that fun software, you know, that I happen to need that happens to be on windows, or maybe I'll use it to play certain games at certain times. Uh, I am not going to, you know, I'm not, I mean, just look at the shit that's happening that happened with VMware recently. Okay. I am going to fucking air gap. I virtual machines are security can be security issues in themselves. If you don't have to run them, if you don't need that it infrastructure or whatever, like don't do it. If you can have a little shitty, you know, 11 inch laptop that runs windows 10 and that handles that ancient software that you just happen to need from Microsoft, then do that. Right. Don't take the risk of running shitty operating systems like windows in a virtual machine. When the virtual machine runs into its own issues. Again, that's, that's, it's completely getting away from a, you know, from the security model, uh, you know, that, that, that I'm trying to tell you, you know, to, to go with. So the browser that I am going to recommend going forward on sovereign tech for threat level one and threat level two. Uh, though with threat level two, we will talk about another browser as well. That would, uh, that would do even better. I am recommending the brave browser. Um, if you listen to a recent sovereign tech supplemental, of course, you heard me talk about how I was getting Ellen set up, uh, with that. Her experience has been very positive with it. Um, and I have switched over to the brave browser for 90%, uh, you know, my, my day to day, uh, web work, if you want to call it that. I will admit, okay, we're going to get into the features, why I am recommending Brave Browser and so on. I will get into that, but I will admit that the experience is not perfect. Uh, I have run into very odd uh, situations where a website, like say a site that I'm downloading something from, um, where it just like the links go to weird places and it just doesn't fly. It, it there's just odd websites where brave does not execute, um, 
the action that I want the browser to do uh, very well. And these are rare websites. I mean, it's like, you know, four out of the, whatever the hundreds that I may go to at any given moment, but they're there. Uh, I do find often, so brave has now, first off, what did I say? The most important thing was about a web browser that you want to use. It's open source. Yes. Brave is open source. Uh, brave has a security feature it has built in ad blockers out and out. I'm going to talk about all the extensions that I use as well. We'll get into that. Okay. Um, brave has a built in, um, basically security suite. Uh, that they call shields. Okay. And you can turn shields on or off and you can kind of tweak a little bit within shields. Um, I have found many times, and I don't think this is actually a problem with brave. I have found many times that shields being on, uh, will do, often do a lot more harm than good. Here's, here's the rub. Okay. With, with, with shields is that again, it's not brave's problem. The problem is, is that the web is so the, you know, the, the worldwide web. Okay. Uh, which is just one aspect of the internet, right? The internet is actually a series of protocols. The web is just one of them. The web, you know, websites in general have so many ugly technologies involved, so much ugly JavaScript or worse that, yeah, I'm not surprised that when you actually turn on a lot of anti-fingerprinting technologies or, you know, you turn on an ad blocker and other aspects that, you know, are a part of Brave's Shields Up feature that, you know, it, it breaks websites, not a surprise to me at all, but that should really, you know, again, brave's not at fault here. The, the fucking internet's at fault, right? The lack of security in, uh, you know, on websites or the, the lack of, of care that these companies whose websites you visit, you know, the lack of care they have for your privacy and security, that's what's at fault here. Okay. Um, now, you know, you can easily turn that off. Again, I still run into some websites that just seem to not fucking work right with brave. It's incredibly rare though. And it's never, it's not like a website, I don't know, like a banking website or anything like that. Like it's none of those. It's just, you know, kind of these, these, uh, uh, a quasi CD download websites and everything where, where it just, it doesn't work. Now has brave recently had a, uh, some security issues. Yes, we're going to get into those. I'm going to talk about those, but let's talk about Brave overall first. So Brave is, you know, we were talking about how it seems like in 2016, there was a real, uh, real shift in the, the, the browser wars, as it were. Uh, Brave started, well, I guess technically it started in 2015, but we didn't get an actual beta release until 2016. Version 1.0 of Brave actually wasn't until 2019, uh, years later. Now, I haven't talked much about brave on sovereign tech, partly because for the many years it was in beta. Not that I have necessarily have a problem with beta software and wouldn't try it, but I am not going to recommend beta software for security and for a daily driver. Um, that's, I mean, that that's nothing new for, for sovereign techs, uh, you know, ethos as it were. Um, so really I didn't take brave seriously until version 1.0 dropped. We finally got a stable version. And even then, and throughout, you know, some of the, the, the concepts behind brave, and this was sort of the brave's big deal was that was what's known as the bat, the basic attention token. So brave was trying to change the way that money was made online. Uh, and they did so using basically a cryptocurrency, uh, that, would allow, you know, for you to directly donate to content creators, um, that would allow you to view ads, but also make some bat, you know, make some of that token off of the viewing of the ads, uh, and so on this idea. Okay. And, and, you know, this is how they justified having an ad blocker and, and yes, look, I mean, the ways for companies, for even news institutions, whatever, which are basically companies for everything else, you know, to make money on the internet, it, it gets into all kinds of shady practices and territory. Okay. So, you know, trying to come up with a resolution for that, I think is a very good thing. I never thought, and to this day, I do not think that the bat is a good idea. Um, even though I'm recommending using brave here, I have no interest whatsoever in the bat. Um, but we'll talk more about, you know, maybe perhaps where this can go. I am not recommending this based upon the speculation that I'm going to lay out with, you know, how brave can improve on this and still come out on top. Um, but let's keep talking about brave itself, but the bat, I'm not even going to get into that. I just, 
I've already, you know, talked about why I think this is a horrible idea and where it just creates, you know, more nasty incentives. Also, there have been issues in the past where creators online were not getting that, you know, they were supposedly, they were supposed to be, what was it? Tom Scott. There was an issue where he was supposed to be getting bat from his audience, never received any from brave. That was a, you know, a little bit of a scandal. Um, brave is a, let's be clear here. Brave is a very small team. It's a very small company. Okay. You do not have the massive teams like Google or Microsoft or even Apple does on their respective web browsers. You don't have them. Actually, Mozilla doesn't even really have the massive team that it used to, right? They laid off how many people, uh, even though they did that multi, what is that? $400 million deal with Google in 2020. Regardless, this is a, a small company. Okay. Now I bring this up to say that there are, it does seem like some of the implementations that brave has, uh, in the browser, they run into security issues now and then, or they run into flubs, not necessarily security issues, but flubs in, in functionality. I want to attribute this not to maliciousness, but to the fact that they just don't have enough people right now developing for it. Okay. And, or they don't have a big enough team that, that maybe a world-class web browser should have, you know, they don't have the amount of eyes on it that they should, that may change. Um, and in fact, in 2021 brave, just in February, 2021 brave has gone up, I think another 5 million users. That's huge. Okay. Uh, so brave can basically claim 25 million users. Now we got to be careful with that number, right? Because saying users there's installs and then there's daily users, right? And I imagine those are very different numbers. Even so, even if the 25 million is just installs, that's amazing for a browser that is not developed by Microsoft, Google, or Apple, or, you know, whoever. Okay. Uh, for example, I mean, and, and where does that sit in, in, in the overall share of, of web browser usage? That's definitely on the lower end. Um, but again, these numbers are all, it's all tea leaf reading anyway, right? Like Microsoft will say, oh yeah, Microsoft Edge has 600 million users. Bullshit. <laughs> the fuck you do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you probably have 600 million installs or whatever, because I don't know, there's a billion PCs out there. Okay. But you do not have 600 million people that are sitting in front of their computer and are using that web browser on a day-to-day -day basis. That's just not happening. You're maybe, maybe being generous. I could believe that edge might have like maybe 80 million. I'd believe more like 50 million. Even that might be a fucking stretch of people that use it by the day. Uh, their market share, I, or I mean their, their user share, I think has definitely increased. Um, but you know, particularly because the way the credge works and, you know, some other interesting features that they've been bringing in and so on that, that I think are, are worthwhile to look at. Um, you know, other than it being owned by Microsoft and phoning home so goddamn much phoning home, of course, you know, meaning that, uh, it has a lot of identifiable data and that's data that can be accessed at least by the developer or by the developer or some other party. Um, actually, in fact, I, I think there was, who is it? Um, some university in, I think in Dublin or something, uh, they, they did a test on what was the most privacy focused, uh, web browser. And this was fairly recently and brave actually won that. Uh, in fact, it was in a class of its own as far as privacy goes. And that was based on the privacy metric they were basing it on was, was the concept of phoning home. How many, you know, how much data was, uh, being collected and potentially sent or could be collected, uh, by, you know, by other parties and, or by brave itself, you know, as a company. Uh, and that says something, you know, in and of itself for brave to be at that level, ironically, edge was at the bottom of that, <laughs> of that list as far as privacy goes. Um, but there is that. So anyway, brave started in, uh, in, in 20, again, 2015, 2016 ended up coming out and finally version 1.0 in 2019. Now brave was, uh, started by actually a guy, uh, Brendan Ike, who was well, the creator of JavaScript, which is kind of ironic because I think JavaScript's one of the biggest problems on the internet. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> it was created by him. Uh, he was also the former CEO of the Mozilla corporation. Uh, he was kind of kicked out unceremoniously, but that's, that's another story. Um, and I believe the, 
uh, or it was Brian Bondi, who I'm not super familiar with, but regardless, uh, they were really riding high on this idea of making a web browser that would implement new technologies like say cryptocurrencies that would make the web, you know, would make a uh, uh, content on the web somehow more viable and base and, you know, and get people paid without having to engage in so much, pri- so much privacy encroaching or, you know, fingerprinting and everything else. And along with other ideas, you know, ads and everything, I mean, because ads are a massive privacy concern and security concern in my opinion as well. So I, I applaud kind of their abstract notion of what they're doing. Again, I don't agree with the bat, but let's, let's keep talking, you know, about, uh, about brave. So again, it is open source. Um, that's, you know, key number one, it is available on just about every platform. It's on Linux. It's on Android. It's on iOS. Granted on iOS, any web browser is basically a skin version of, uh, you know, of Safari, but you know, whatever Apple's Apple, um, it is available on Mac OS. It's also available of course on windows. Uh, it's pretty much everywhere, pretty much. So that's not an issue, right? And it can do, uh, syncing between installations, which I, this is something that I do applaud them on as well. Um, I really, really like their, their, uh, what they call their sync chain, which uses the sync ability that is built into Chromium, into the Chromium uh, code itself. Okay. But in this case they're what they do is, is they have the passphrase actually do the BIP 39, you know, it's the BIP 39 encoding. Okay. So you're encrypting end to end. So you're scanning QR codes to be able to sync between web browsers. And once they're synced, you're good, but that's to do the handshake in that way and have it basically encrypted end to end. That's the right way to make that happen. Um, I applaud the sync chain. And when we talk about password managers, if you are going to make brave your daily driver, um, I really don't have an issue recommending unlike other, especially Chromium based web browsers. I don't really have an issue recommending, uh, using brave as your, you know, what, what stores your passwords, you know, using the sync chain for all of that, because it's very well implemented, especially since version two, uh, which they ended up releasing. Oh, I want to say that came out what was version two in like 2019. I think that came along with, with version 1.0, or maybe it was, maybe it was into 2020 when they came out with that. Uh, but very, very well done, uh, you know, to set up everything, you know, set up the keys that way, right. The private key that way. And, and again, to do the handshake in that way, I like it. Okay. You know, somebody, you've got to be there to physically scan it. Um, and it's not something where it could be just remotely accessed and people would have all your passwords and everything by getting into your brave account to be able to do it from another device. There has to be that QR code handshake. Uh, that is the right move for that. We'll talk more about, again, I'm, I'm recommending the sync chain. If you are wanting to make brave your, you know, your, your daily driver, uh, if you plan on using a lot of other web browsers, then we need to talk about different things for storing passwords, but I will get into those recommendations shortly. But speaking of extensions, uh, you can basically install any Chrome extension, uh, directly onto brave, um, w- without issue. And you do not need this. This is, I think this is where the Chrome web store gets a little fluky. You really do not need a, uh, a Google account to be able to install, to install Chrome extensions, but there might be times where the Chrome web store may like kind of, kind of trick you into thinking you do. Um, but you don't have, you do not have to do that, uh, which is a plus as well. Um, but you can throw, I mean, so that gives you access to, you know, all the big extensions, you block origin, uh, you know, go down the list. I was going to say dark reader, but actually brave, uh, is testing dark mode. Uh, and I mean like really dark mode where not just the browser is, you know, the, like the UI is dark, but where websites are automatically, you know, reskinned to be in a, in a dark mode. Um, you can try that out on certainly on mobile. And I think in desktop, it might be in beta at the moment, but it works very nicely. What my experience with it, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I applaud that move, you know, every day and every web browser should really have that. You shouldn't have to install a completely separate, um, you know, a completely separate extension to be able to do that because you really don't want to install a lot of other extensions, uh, because those all, I mean, you know, how many times do you see in the news, well, this extension, you know, was leaking data to, you know, how, or for however many millions of users or this app or whatever, 
you want to stay away from those as much as you can. You really should not have the big, long line of extensions on your web browser if you can help it. Um, because, I mean, even if it was like a web browser that people have been using for a year, or I mean, even if it was an extension that people have been using for years and that they trust, as we've seen just in 2021, and it was certainly going on before, you know, a, a very popular extension could end up getting bought up by some company in who knows where. And suddenly that company is collecting all of your data or injecting malware or doing whatever. And, you know, the developer just wanted to get a payday by selling off his popular extension, which I understand. So you got to be careful with that. You really want to install as few extensions as possible. Uh, and that's really somewhat of an argument for using uh, the sync chain, because, you know, if you don't have to install LastPass, don't, right? Uh, particularly since we found out, even though we did also find out you can turn this off, since you find out that LastPass uh, had some, had a few nasty trackers uh, that, you know, people took issue with. And I understand also, of course, LastPass is getting, basically getting rid of their free, free model or their free tier by not allowing you to, you know, have access on both your, uh, both your mobile device, as well as your desktop. Um, you have to use one or the other. You either use, if you're using the free tier of LastPass, you either use it on mobile or you use it on your desktop. You can't use it on both. You have to pay for that. Granted, paying for LastPass, nothing wrong with that. Okay. Uh, other than if you have the concern around the tracking cookies with LastPass, um, or if you're concerned about like the fact that LastPass code is, isn't, you know, hundred percent open source and so on. Those are concerns I understand. Okay. But a great argument for not having one less, you know, for having one less extension would be to go ahead and use Brave's sync chain uh, to sync. I mean, and the sync chain doesn't just do passwords. It also can do tabs, um, you know, a lot of the different browser data that, that, you know, you'd want to sync across devices can be done, uh, you know, with, with Brave and with the sync chain. Now, the two primary reasons that I am recommending outside of it being open source, the two primary reasons that I am recommending using the Brave browser. One is, is that it really is privacy focused. Yes, we'll talk about the exploits. Calm down. It is, okay, privacy focused, and it is implementing privacy technologies. And also, it basically has taken no stance on any of the social upheaval, shall we say, that has occurred in the past year or two. Um, I applaud the company on that as well. You know, just make a web browser, empower the individual, not movements, empower the individual and move on. Okay. And, and that's, that's what they're doing. And I like that. The second part that I appreciate about brave is that they are spearheading the implementation of, I don't want to say abstract. They're not abstract technologies, but <laughs> Uh, they're not esoteric either. Not really, <laughs> but I think for most people, they'd consider that, uh, how about unconventional technologies that other web browsers and really the tech giants and others, you know, might not even really be thinking about, maybe they're thinking about it. We just don't know it. But for example, um, in 2021 brave browser, uh, has allowed, has implemented, um, IPFS, the interplanetary file system, which works somewhat like BitTorrent. Um, I'm not going to get into a full review of IPFS here, but I think it's a fine and dandy thing. The idea of having a more peer to peer internet is wonderful. And for brave to be well ahead of the curve on that by implementing it, I think is the right move. So I applaud that. I also applaud that brave has implemented uh tour. Now let's be clear. This is one of the big issues. To the point that I've seen many people swear off of Brave because of what happened with their Tor implementation. And I am not going to try and dissuade you. Okay. I'm really not. I'm not going to tell you. If you, if you have this concern, I applaud that. But then we, we got to go a distance with it, but let's talk about it. So basically what, what Brave had set up and it was the right move was that anytime you open private browsing, okay, or incognito mode, right? That's how you, if you use Chrome, you know what incognito mode is. But anytime you implement private browsing, you open a private browsing tab, it would automatically forward everything through Tor. Nice move. However, 
via Brave's uh, HackerOne bug bounty platform, uh, it was reported that Brave was leaking DNS requests to the user's DNS provider, which basically let ISP see domain names, uh, you know, your web traffic, wherever you're going, if the requests were not encrypted with HTTPS, right? So the problem there is that, okay, it's supposed to be using Tor, but then it was, you know, it was basically leaking all of this information. And so using Tor, none of that mattered, right? Unless you were going, unless you're going to a site that was, you know, with HTTPS. So using it as a Tor browser was a complete fail. And this was, I'll just say this was wildly dumb on Brave's part. It really was like how, how they didn't see that. But let me be clear here. Okay. <laughs> so they fixed it right away as of, I think we're up to brave version 1.22. I think it was brave version 1.20 where that was instantly fixed in the stable channel. They fixed it in the nightly, like right away. Uh, they did not waste time. So a part of me, and, and this also speaks to where they had the affiliate referral codes early in the year. We already covered that. We already talked about that. I'm not going to get into that here, but they fixed that as well. They turned that off. Again, this, this kind of gets into more of that, you know, or with the referral codes, it gets into, okay, well, these browser developers are, you know, trying to make money somehow, but okay, look, just with Tor, here's the deal. Um, I would not use Brave to access Tor, okay, to, to access the Tor network. Not for a second. I, I wouldn't use Windows to access the Tor network, you understand? Um, and in fact, the developers of Tor <laughs> for years have said the same. Please, if you're going to use Tor, don't use Windows. Well, the Golden Stallion here is going to tell you, if you're going to use Tor, please don't use the Brave browser. Don't use any browser other than the Tor browser. And in fact, if you want to be really saucy and really do it right, use Tails, okay? Or, you know, rock it through, you know, go use Hunix, whatever. Do not, <laughs> do not use a browser that is in any way meant for more mainstream day-to-day, -day. you know, do not use that for Tor. Now there's an argument to be made for, and you know, the Tor project is trying to make this a thing where they're trying to make Tor a day-to-day -day browser that people get, you know, a daily driver browser that people can use. But the internet has to basically completely change the way that it works for that to become a reality. That is a best case scenario, right? I mean, when we get into, like, when I, when I talk about threat level two and threat level three, um, you know, in a perfect world, I, I guess I'll look, I, I guess I'll just say this here. Okay. Do I think that brave is the best browser? Is it the ultimate browser? No. Do I think that the Tor browser is the best browser? Is it the ultimate browser? Well, no browser is perfect, but at the end of the day, yes. If you are serious about, if you are really, really serious about anonymity, security, and so on, you are going to use the Tor browser and Tor browser only. That's the end of the story. It's the end of the story but you are going to dramatically have to dramatically shift what you do online. If you are going to, if you're going to go down that road, I applaud you. I support you. I am on your team. I, I mean, I am with you. Yes. Let's do that. However, most people aren't there. Most people aren't going to do that. Okay. And most people now in 2021 need access two things that really the Tor browser uh, either when it's implemented correctly, can't access, can't do, or you, you know, if you turn it all off, turn off all the security features on the Tor browser, what the fuck's the point to, you know, to all that security that Tor provides, if you're just going to use it for, you know, I don't know your bullshit. And I'm, and I'm not saying you, I'm the Royal your, <laughs> okay. Do, do you get where I'm coming from? So when I am recommending the Brave browser here, I am saying as in you are going out and engaging with, you know, the, the, uh, with, with conventional life, with the conventional world, when you are going to do your banking, when you're going to access, I don't know, Gmail, when you don't do that, but if you're going to, you know, when you're going to access all these, you know, things, anything from the tech giants, whatever, this is what I am saying to use. If you are wanting actual privacy, you are wanting actual anonymity, security, and so on. Well, you know what my answer is going to be. You fucking you load up tails. You or you rock up. You know, Cube's OS. You get yourself a little privacy beast, or 
you know, you, you take uh yeah, you get your little flash drive going with tails. Like I already said, and you're going to go that way. And then there's, there's no conversation over what you're going to use. Okay. And, and what it's going to be used for and how it's going to go. But for your day to day, every day. Yeah. I think this is the way to go. I don't think that the tour that, that the, uh, the DNS leaks, okay. Uh, or the, the DNS request leaks. I don't think that those were maliciousness. I think just that brave doesn't have, uh, you know, enough eyes on everything. And also they are, like I said, they are really spearheading the implementation of the right stuff, the right technologies, but this is for many, many ways. Some of these implementations are the first time that any, any browser or any company has tried to mesh not mesh network, but it is mesh networking, but it's tried to mesh, um, you know, say Tor or IPFS with a mainstream, with a browser that also has to, you know, handle mainstream business. And so I can kind of appreciate where they're coming from on that. Now, to be fair, I mean, ideas like IPFS, the idea of a web browser accessing, you know, uh, basically, you know, what equates to a distributing hash table, right? Or distributed hash table. The, the idea of, you know, a browser doing like n- none of this, None of this is really that new. In fact, uh, if you go back five, six years in Sovereign Tech episodes, I'd have to find which one it was, but I talked about it forever. Um, BitTorrent, before they ended up getting owned by whoever, but back when BitTorrent was actually innovative, um, BitTorrent, what was it, Maelstrom? I think they called it Project Maelstrom, where it was a Chrome browser uh, or Chromium-based browser that operated in an internet that operated basically off of magnet links. Okay. Somewhat similar, still in that, you know, kind of that bit torn abstract way, kind of like IPFS is, um, but it, it didn't take off, you know, and, the, and it was just like perpetually in beta and then BitTorrent basically just stopped doing anything or, you know, and I, when I say BitTorrent, I mean, BitTorrent, the company, BitTorrent, the technology itself, you know, where you go and download monster hunter or whatever else, uh, you know, great. Okay. <laughs> but, but the company itself, what it used to be, um, I mean, they really used to do some really innovative shit and th- then that just all stopped. They haven't done anything interesting in forever. Um, I mean, sure. Resilio's nice. That's still a thing, but anyway, <laughs> so this, I, apl- again, I applaud brave getting into, you know, moving things towards the technologies and the abstract uh, technological ideas like IPFS and so on that we really need to get to eventually to have an internet that empowers and respects individuals. And so with that in mind, that's really where I come from recommending brave, you know, we're all trying to get to that peer to peer future. Well, IPFS is probably going to be a part of that because it's one of more popular and still, you know, well-developed aspects of, you know, that, that, that are, technologies that are pointing in that direction. So those are the reasons, uh, overall that I recommend brave. Um, I like how much security technology it has built in. I do think it's about the best there is out there as far as privacy. And I haven't seen any really concerning statements, um, from the brave team in general, as compared to what I've heard as well as business decisions that I've seen from Mozilla in the past year and a half. Uh, which, you know, not new for sovereign tech listeners, you know, you've already been getting away from Mozilla for a long time, but regardless brave, I think for your day-to-day threat level one and kind of the threat level two, that's where it's at. Perfect world. We'd all be using the Tor browser via tails or, you know, again, or cubes OS or something along those lines, you know, in the future that I'd like to see. Yeah. That's where we go. Hell in the future, I'd want to see there aren't web browsers. Okay. <laughs> like even that's kind of a dead thing. Uh, because what, I mean, you're just going online and looking at glorified brochures, you know, <laughs> like who the fuck cares and what, Oh, to, for social media. Oh, fuck social media. If I think of it, I'll link in, in to the guardian story that, that I was featured in about that, but, uh, fuck it. So for, yeah, when you get into threat level three, well, that's where, you know, no brave is not enough. You're going to look at using the Tor browser. Okay. And you're going to look at having the Tor browser running in a very secure environment. Like I say, you know, for example, Hunix or cubes OS or tails, right? 
um, or at least some kind of Linux distro. Uh, even though Ubuntu's doing some funny things is late. And anyway, all of that gets down to money. And so, you know, all right, let me talk about that for a second. Cause I wanted to get this in, even though I think the, the basic attention token is just a bullshit nonsensical idea. Okay. Um, I do think the idea of using cryptocurrencies to enable, uh, you know, creators, news organizations, whatever else to be able to make money. Uh, I do think that's a fine idea. And it's one that's been being worked on for, you know, for quite some time. I remember being at a Bitcoin conference and this must've been in 2012, uh, in New York city at the time, it was like one of the largest conferences and they were at the time there were, you know, panels talking about that where we're going to implement, you know, uh, uh, cryptocurrency wallets into, uh, web browsers. Okay. And, you know, how can we do this with Bitcoin and so on? And, and I didn't necessarily think that that was a horrible idea. I had questions over who was going to do it, but basically if brave wants to you know, Brave is fully supportive of cryptocurrencies. In fact, I can open up a new tab page here on Brave and I know I'm instantly going to see like a Bitcoin credit card or something or look right over there. There's Binance and whatever else. Okay. Um, <laughs> Brave is very supportive of cryptocurrencies. In fact, this is another feature that, that I guess I should talk about that I also think is bullshit. Um, it does have a really what is just an Ethereum wallet built into it. Uh, now, it's not the only browser that has that. You know, Opera also has an Ethereum wallet built into the web browser. In fact, the a lot of people don't know this because despite the fact that it's not 100% open source and that it sends all of your data to the Chinese government, I like Opera a lot. It is the closed source parallel, in my opinion, to Brave, where, you know, it implements an ad blocker, VPN technology, you know, VPN, uh, like it has a built-in VPN. Um cryptocurrencies. I mean, it does so much right. It has so much forward thinking going on, uh, in the opera browser. You know, you can listen back to even recent sovereign tech episodes where I've talked about this, uh, opera on Android has had IPFS implemented far longer than brave has. Um, so, you know, I mean, people don't realize like opera is trying out this stuff as well. Brave, certainly not the only one, just brave is the open source one that's doing it. And, you know, again, it's also not sending all of your data to the Chinese government. But if brave would tie in more, say with lightning, like with the lightning network would basically tie in more with Bitcoin and figure out how to, you know, or figure out better ways, quick implementations of, you know, micropayments and everything else instead of relying on the basic attention token, instead of relying upon Ethereum and whatever else, like I, I'm, I'm there for that. Okay. Like I, I, that is a direction that I think they could fairly easily get into. And I am hoping that as more and more Bitcoin millionaires uh, are being created by the day with Bitcoin's, you know, incredible rise that they will want to fund, um, and maybe get some influence involved with because brave has operated basically off of, you know, a few million bucks from angel investors. Anyway, uh, they're not, I can't believe that they're actually making any money like real money off of the basic attention token. Um, I mean, there was the big, you know, the, the, the big, the ICO, right. That, uh, that more or less that, that brave did anyway, you know, getting a browser that can somehow pow empower individuals to get paid, with Bitcoin, you know, influencing brave in that way, I think is a winning direction to take, you know, to take that web browser, um, and to really differentiate it from what anybody else out there is doing and have it with something that actually has value on the internet. Pay very close attention to those words that I just said that actually has value on the internet. Okay. If we're talking about the internet again, this entire conversation is me coming from the position of if you need a daily driver that can access the bulk of what's on the internet, this is the one that you're using, you know, as well as still be as privacy focused as possible, uh, you know, and still give you a lot of control and where you could check the code. If you're that kind of code monkey, you know, whatever, great, this is it. Okay. 
If you want to get serious about how, you know, perhaps if, if you want to talk about what you could call ethical implementations of technology there, you're not going to use Firefox or at least not Firefox stock, not Mozilla's Firefox. Anyway, you're going to rock Tor browser. You're going to, you know, you're going to start going down that list. And again, even those really necessarily aren't always good enough, but that's where, that's where you're going to start on that conversation. Now, so threat level one, threat level two, you're looking at brave. Okay. Let's talk about extensions and then I'm going to get into some alternatives here. And yes, I am also to be clear, I am recommending brave on mobile platforms as well. Uh, it is, you know, it really is a fast browser. Like I am amazed at how fucking fast this browser is. It's probably the fastest browser um, I've used. And it's also the least resource intensive um, that I've seen. Chromium sucks on battery. I mean, it, cause it just sucks battery, but uh, it really does a great job. And it's implementation on Android is, is very well done in comparison to just about any other web browser. It's very, very fast. Uh, in fact, progressive web apps next to Chrome, it's probably the fastest I've seen any mobile browser handle progressive web apps, even though those seem to be going the way of the dodo now, but regardless. So let's talk about extensions. Um, the first thing that you're going to want to install, if you don't want to use the sync chain that's built into brave is uh, you know, is your password manager. And I will say fine. Okay. Uh, you know, if you've been using LastPass forever, go ahead and turn off those trackers. Of course, if you hadn't already, um, you can stick with LastPass. Any argument that I've made for LastPass in the past still holds up partly because you can turn off the tracking. Uh, I think it's, it's bullshit that, you know, it's something you have to opt out of, of course. But if you're looking to switch over, there is Bitwarden. Um, Bitwarden is basically a completely open source version of, uh, of LastPass, and it's very well done. Um, I like what I see. There are pay models for that where you can get a lot more features if you want to go that route, and you can. Um, in fact, Bitwarden plays nicely with uh, another mobile. I'm going to get into an, a mobile browser that I want you to take a look at here um, in just a minute. But Bitwarden plays well with that, but we'll talk about that in a second. So you're going to want to install that. Um, I still, even though brave has an ad blocker built in, um, I still install uBlock origin, um, on, on top of brave. Um, and I mean, I do that on every browser, like basically historically it has always been, I instantly like on any web browser I'm using, I install LastPass and I install uBlock origin and I try to stop there if I can. Maybe you can put on dark reader, but with web browsers implementing, you know, native uh, dark modes for web pages, that's not really necessary um, any longer. So, you know, I don't go there, but I mean, but really that that's it. Um, sometimes I might, you know, for like my Synology NAS, I will install, uh, there's a, an extension for notifications for a Synology NAS and it's specifically for Synology and developed by Synology. And I more or less trust Synology because their business model is similar to like Apple's business model where they don't have to make money off of data collection. They make money off of the hardware that they're selling. Now I don't want to get into a conversation around Synology because they've made some interesting moves this year as well. And not all of them good. Uh, but I still love my Synology NAS. My DS220 plus is just a fucking beast with six gig of Ram in it. And that's, that is the way to go. <laughs> right. Unless you're setting up a next cloud, uh, which, Hey, great. But anyway, that that's getting into a whole, a whole other thing. Um, but also just to be clear, brave plays very nicely with every NAS I've thrown at it, uh, which, you know, you can't say that for every browser. So that that's a plus, you know, for brave as well. But, uh, yeah, for extensions, it really comes down to those two. I do not use other ones. I don't use grammarly. I don't use, I, I mean, I, I really don't, if I now like for clients, Here's the thing for clients, work clients, I have a completely separate web browser that I use and I do install, you know, say whatever extensions are helpful for that kind of, you know, for PR work and, and security work and everything else. Um, I do put those on there, but that stays on that web browser. And I tell you, I'm telling you that web browser is not open 24 seven. Like when it's not needed, it is killed. Process is killed. Everything not, not even taking a chance. Okay. So, um, so really that's it as far as extensions, but you can use any Chrome extension you want, uh, on, on brave. Uh, now, unfortunately you don't, 
the mobile version of Brave does not have extensions, but fortunately it has a lot of the built-in security features that you want from these extensions anyway. And also um, you can either use, you know, whatever LastPass, Bitwarden, you know, take your pick uh, uh, password manager app on mobile anyway. Uh, so you don't need it built into the browser as is, but you can also just use the, you know, again, very secure sync chain uh, that's built into Brave itself. Now, I want to get into a couple other matters here because I brought up password managers. Perfect world, you would be using KeePass XC. You would not be using a password manager that is based on someone else, open source or not, that is based on someone else's uh, uh, servers. Okay. You would be using KeePass XC, just like Perfect World, you'd be using the Tor browser or at least close to perfect world, right? <laughs> uh, you know, you'd be rocking those two things to be clear. Now I want to take a moment to talk about perfect world for mobile. Of course, perfect world, ultimate perfect world. <laughs> I keep using these terms, ultimate and perfect, but we're tossing them. Perfect future. How about that? Uh, there would be no, <laughs> not, not smartphones as we understand them anyway. Uh, they just wouldn't be a part of the program but they're here. So what I recommend, you know, if you're not interested in going with brave, what do you do? Say, if you have an Android device, again, if you have an iOS device, it really doesn't matter what web browser you're using. You're basically using Safari at the end of the day. Okay. There's no difference. There's no security difference. Not really. Um, you know, not like at the certificate level as to where on Android, you can install web browsers that actually do operate with different certificates than the entire underlying operating system, which is a great, great feature. Um, so I'm not going to bother to talk about iOS here, but with Android, there is a web browser that I will recommend to you, uh, that you can install, even if you don't have the Google play store on Android, which I applaud you. If you don't in F droid, there is a, uh, a forked version, modified version of Firefox called Fennec, F-E-N-N-E-C. This is very well done. Has a great little development team behind it. Um, I am a big fan, really, of what they're doing here. And they're basically just stripping out all the bullshit from, uh, from Firefox, you know, and putting it out uh, in the F-Droid, uh, uh, you know, app repository. Now the Tor browser is available on Android also, um, but you run into some of the same issues that you do with, you know, if you tried using Tor browser as a daily driver on, you know, say, say on your desktop, right? So if, if you need to access normal things, I mean, I have had zero issues with Fennec. Um, and doing, you know, daily driver stuff on, you know, on my Android device. Uh, it also works brilliantly. I think I talked about this. I'm pretty sure I brought this up when I did an episode about the, uh, Amazon fire tablet where I said, use Fennec. So Fennec's great because it also has the approved, uh, add-ons slash extensions for, uh, that, that Firefox for Android has. So basically you can install on Fennec. You can put uBlock origin there, dark reader. If you're into that sort of thing, you can even put Bitwarden as an extension right, uh, right in the web browser, uh, on Fennec. And it all works brilliantly. And there's, there's other, uh, and there are, there are other extensions, um, of course, you know, available, uh, on there. So, I mean, again, like you really, in my opinion, you cannot afford to do web browsing of any kind on a mobile device without some kind of ad blocker, whether it's, you know, Brave's built in one or it's, you know, putting you block origin, uh, or there's other ones again, like I said, available on there, but that's the best one in my opinion has been forever, uh, you know, on Fennec then rock that. So Fennec is basically my top recommendation for a web browser on a mobile device. But if you are going to get into Brave's ecosystem, you really, I don't think you can go wrong with using uh, brave on mobile and using it on the desktop. Like I said, we're talking threat level one, threat level two, you get into threat level three. That's when, yeah, you don't even have the fucking Google play store installed. So you're going to have to be using Fennec or something along those lines on your mobile device. You're better off not even using a mobile device. You're going to be using Tor and you're going to be using that with an incredibly secure operating system, uh, you know, and, and, and no bullshitting around. Right. But for your daily driver, 
brave. That's where we're going. Uh, and I hope I, you know, gave somewhat of an overview on what you can do as far as password managers. Uh, again, I do recommend Brave's sync chain, but you know, if you want to go Bitwarden or if you want to go so far as to keypass XC, you can never go wrong with that. Uh, go for it, you know, and, or, or LastPass, make sure you just set it up properly if you're going to go that route. So I think that does the episode. Um, and I think I've made my case for why I recommend using brave one more time in, you know, a perfect future, there wouldn't even be a web browser, right? <laughs> because we'd have just have much better ways of sharing information and everything else than, than, than browsers. Okay. And then the World Wide web, which is, you know, basically one massive, uh, exploit of its own, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But those are conversations for future sovereign techs and there are future sovereign techs to come. Very excited to share some, uh, some of the biggest episodes that I've ever done with you very shortly. Uh, and I appreciate everyone's patience throughout February, 2021. And I hope everyone is staying as safe and sane as they can, uh, in this already wild year. And I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Hey, is Sovereign Tech not enough for you? Well, let me tell you about something you'll never get enough of. No, no, I mean it. We're talking about a radio show and podcast that goes all night long, seven nights a week, three hours a night, 365 days a year, and has been going since the early aughts, baby. I am talking about none other than Free Talk Live. It's the show you control. That's right. It's an open phones call-in show that is ready for you. And if you're worried that your voice isn't going to get heard, don't be. We are talking about the only libertarian radio show stateside. And not only that, it's also the number 26 talk show in the United States. Start listening now and go ahead and hit that massive back catalog at freetalklive.com. The Golden Stallion guarantees a good time. And you might even find some episodes with me on them when you do. That's freetalklive.com. And we thank them for sponsoring Sovereign Tech. <laughs>